Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, we explore the intersection between multicultural marketing and the business of real estate. How having a culture-first viewpoint can help companies engage with more potential customers and bring more personality to real estate brands. Our guest, Mike Valdez-Fowley, president and CEO of Pinta, a multicultural marketing and advertising agency, and a regular contributor to Forbes commenting on media and the cross-cultural landscape based in Miami. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, Mike. Thank you both. Alex, Jamie, it's a pleasure to be here. So, Mike, tell us about uh, yourself and how you got into the business. Yeah, so um, been in the business about 20 years and uh, pretty much from the early onset realized I wanted to focus on this niche within it. I've done PR advertising for brands as well as uh, agencies, but in my first job uh, out of college, I, uh, I was one of 200 people in the DC office of a big publicly traded firm and kind of looked down the phone list they give uh, entry-level employees and realized I was one of two Latinos and uh, kind of had a mental calculation that I could uh, obscure into the shadows or I could kind of double down on that and try to really focus on that uh, kind of cross-cultural landscape and the rest is history. Mike, your, your agency is called Pinta. Uh, in Portuguese, where I grew up, Pintar is to paint. Uh, obviously, Pinta is a, a Hispanic word. Is that where the name comes from? And, and, and what is the focus of your agency, per se? First of all, I must say your accent is gorgeous, Jamie. That's really impressive what you did there. Um, yes. It, Thank it you. Checks exactly, in the mail. Checks in the mail. <laughs> it is exactly the same meaning. So pintar in Spanish uh, means to paint. And that's kind of the uh, motif that we've gone with as an agency. We practice the art of cross-cultural marketing and try to imbue a creative flair into our everyday tasks. So as a marketing and advertising guy myself, I, I, I appreciate the, the effort and time and the focus that you and your agency have towards um, culture-first marketing. And I looked at your website and, and, I, and smack dab in my face is culture is currency. I love that line. What does it mean, really? Thank you. Yeah, so basically the, the crux of that is, at best, people used to focus on underserved communities as a box to check, a diversity requirement. Um, and there's nothing wrong with, with ensuring that you know, diverse communities are well served. But more and more, uh, it's come to everyone's realization that this is a place where you can make money and, and that's okay. And so uh, culture as currency really means the more you understand the nuances and inner workings of different cultures and try to be relevant and respectful, uh, the more you can be good to the community, but also do well for your own bottom line. The Hispanic community is, I think, 65% of the community in Miami. Please correct me if my numbers are wrong. And I think the fastest growing or the largest non-white group in the United States now. Um, do you have any data on that and, and what kind of growth we're seeing in that market? Yeah, the data is amazing. So I won't, I won't try to bore you with too many uh, stats, but, but they're quite remarkable. So right now, Latinos make up 18% of the total U.S. population, which is just shy of 60 million people. To put that into perspective, Jamie, if it were a country, it would be the world's 13th largest country. And right now it's the world's second uh, largest Spanish speaking country. So US Hispanic is bigger than all of Argentina or all of Colombia or all of Spain. 
Um, and, you know, another stat is a lot of uh, myths and misconceptions exist. Like, okay, it's big, but it's probably all low tier socioeconomically speaking. Also not true. It's about 2.3 trillion in buying power. That would make it the eighth largest country in the world in terms of GDP, bigger than all of uh, Brazil, where I know you spent some time, and bigger than all of Russia. And the last kind of misnomer uh, is that Latinos are, are really just kind of not tech savvy, uh, which again, couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, we are disproportionately over-indexing on everything from multimedia usage to uh, social media, uh, streaming, et cetera. So it's a pretty compelling case to make for people to target. Now, that's a huge consumer market, right? As you mentioned, um, cars, uh, consumer products, homes. And so the, the force in real estate is significant. And what I find to be most interesting is the language. And it's not just about um, uh, um, the image and cultural representation in media and advertising. It's actually the, the it's in language in right. how you communicate your products and your services. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how it's different within the real estate world um, when you think about culture and communication? Sure. And I, I would just start by saying, you know, what's not different. And that's, you know, that you have to kind of be, uh, do your homework for lack of a better uh, way to phrase it, Alex. So, you know, rather than just translating an ad or a press release and hoping that it'll engage a, a new audience, you really got to kind of develop strategies and tactics and messaging that is specific for and will resonate with uh, Latinos. It's something we're doing right now at Pinta for Heineken and Microsoft and T-Mobile. But, you know, taking the best learnings from that into the real estate world uh, was where we started. Real estate specifically, of course, is, is a little different because it's such a uh, emotional and passionate uh, decision-making process for people. And a big piece of your budget. That's right. Absolutely. And so, you know, how do you really kind of take those lessons and, and have them resonate there's a few things that are that sound like stereotypes, but they're actually insights. Um, you know that Hispanics uh, care a lot about family. Um, that's one that is actually uh, true. And one of the stats that's remarkable is that 40% uh, more uh, U.S. Hispanic versus the Anglo general market live in multi-generational households. So the grandmother, the son, and the daughter are all living under one roof, which means there might be a higher price point on the type of house you're buying. And it means if you want to impact their purchasing decision, you might be talking with a slightly different voice to three different generations in the same household. So that's just one thing that, that comes to mind. Well, I imagine given the size of the Hispanic population here, Miami, and therefore the agencies who come out of the, of the work here are probably some of the experts in, within the whole country in terms of reaching that specific demographic or using different techniques to reach more than one demographic for the same product. Right. Yeah, you nailed it. So Miami uh, is basically the, the Hispanic capital of, of America. Not, I mean, even though LA has more Latinos in it and New York has more uh, Latinos in it, um, the, the national networks like Univision and Telemundo are, are have their headquarters here. And uh, Pinta is uh, extremely successful, but I gotta say, I think we're the fifth largest Hispanic agency in Miami which is um, something I'm very comfortable with and I applaud my competitive uh, landscape. But the point being that, you know, this is the Mecca for that culture marketing. Um, and, and you also said something else interesting, Jamie, which is, you know, different uh, ways to target with the same product. Even within U.S. Hispanic, there's a lot of sub-segments, right? So uh, the work we do for Heineken is 100% geared towards uh, Latins 
but it's almost 100% in English. And it's all about sort of cultural winks and nods and uh, using slang and sometimes Spanglish and idioms. Um, and so, you know, the, the Hispanic millennial that is second or third generation has really assimilated and, and become uh, kind of seamlessly living in two worlds. And that's where the fun stuff happens is how do you how do you kind of reach them in a way that uh, leverages culture? So it's not just that you're translating an ad into a different language. You're doing the math, as it were, work the problem, as NASA would say, to come up with the the, the touch points that affect the decision process that might be different culturally, correct? A hundred percent. Yep. And so, you know, what are the touch points? Who are the influencers? What is the sports property to sponsor? Um, what are the social media platforms that are exploding with this space and in and, and the Hispanic millennial front? So you try to kind of develop a, a strategy that, um, you know, might not resonate for any other consumer segment except the one that you're being tasked with going after. Now, you, met, you mentioned millennials, right? So now, as you know, that more millennials are getting into home buying. It's becoming a thing now. Um, and so traditional television commercials uh, are may or may not be the best way to reach these people. And so I can't remember the last time I saw a television show or a television ad. I think it was the Super Bowl, basically. Um, so now you've got this new buyer, <clears throat> this new audience. They're Latino, you're, they're young, they're looking to get into their first home. Is there a different way that you would talk to them um, than, say, the Gen X or their their parents' generation? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I think a, a couple of things. The, the, the television spot that took about 80% of the overall chief marketing officer budget is down to about 25 or 30%. So just statistically, people are agreeing with you, Alex, that uh, you know, it's maybe not a one size fits all strategy to always just start with TV. Um, so what do you do instead? Of course, social media, um, both earns, uh, content as well as paid boosts, uh, digital marketing, which is beyond social. It's things like display, banner ads, affiliate marketing, retargeting. Um, there's influencer marketing that of course you can't escape, uh, celebrities pushing products in ways that are supposed to look, uh, authentic and organic, but, but don't always succeed on that. So there's a lot of different stuff, but in defense of the trusty old TV uh, spot, it also depends on what your goal is. If you're trying to, um, you know, do lead generation in a really hardcore quantitative way, TV is probably not the best approach. If you're trying to build a brand and create awareness and a mystique in the biggest possible way, um, you know, it might, it might still be part of the mix. So it kind of just depends. It's interesting you bring up uh, brands like that. It's uh and and Alex, to your point, I even when you watch real real estate ads, usually they have they've been local ads because the project was local and the buyer was local. Now we're much more of a global community. A place like Miami, a lot of the real estate is purchased by people who don't live here full time and who have not yet come to live here full time. Uh, so I guess the message has to change. And when I was. When I, I remember watching a movie where Jackie Gleason was the father and Tom Hanks was the son and the son, he was an ad account rep. And I just thought he had the coolest job, mostly because he was sitting in his office throwing pencils on the ceiling and see if they would stick sharpened pens. I thought, well, that's a job I can do, actually. Right. One of the um, few jobs that you're equipped to do, I agree. <laughs> exactly. But listening to you talk, and as we become more of a globe, global real estate, because more of a global footprint, it seems like the, the focus is not 
gone from what used to just be the ad or the message. That was where all the focus was. Now it seems just as much of the focus is the deliverability of the content. Right. Whether you're going to see it pop up on Instagram or see it on LinkedIn or see it on Facebook, depending on the demographic you're going after or uh, whether it's economic demographic, regional demographic, it seems like your job has become much more, much more difficult. Yeah, no, it, it has. And uh, especially for guys like me that, that kind of were probably more right brained and came at it from that creative uh, side, you know, the, the mythic lore of, of Mad Men is now kind of mathman and it's a lot about uh analysis and tracking and data optimization and algorithms and so you know it, it's it's still a very very fun and, and interesting business but it is different for all the all the ways that you just said jamie the way to get around that is you know you get you still need a, a really creative hook and a compelling narrative and hopefully if you've got smart folks working on the tactical part uh it can still be a win-win i love i love the the whole approach that you're you're taking both with your business and yeah, it sounds like you've got some really uh, great clients that allows you to do some creative and, and great and great work. So I wanted to unpack the point you made earlier about the family structure in the Latino community and how that's unique and thus how that potentially will dictate or influence how people in the community would go out and buy or think about, uh, you know, real estate, you know, when I think about my generation, I remember, you know, lifestyles of rich and famous, uh, you know, you had Ty Pennington. This is my old house thing going. You want to fix up place. You want a Mac daddy place. You want a, a, a eight car garage and all that good stuff. And, and obviously as a kid, you want to see celebrities and influences on the television um, or on the internet, YouTube talking about how awesome their place is. Are there particular things that in the in the Latino community that that jump out and say, you know what, you know, this is um, this is the type of um, portrayal or type of um, theater and entertainment that we need to be putting into our shows or our programming or our content to help get people thinking about a house, uh, or is it just the same? Is is everyone everyone wants to be famous? And what is what's the what's the the hook these days? Sure. Um, and I can kind of answer that through a specific example for a couple of clients we have in the real estate space. If it's helpful. So we're, we're proud to be working today with Realogy. Uh, many of your uh, listeners probably know those guys. They own Coldwell Banker and um, Century 21 and Sotheby's, et cetera. So, you know, for us, uh, the, the collaboration has been really interesting because we've kind of together figured out an approach uh, that has less to do with selling homes and more with recruiting agents. And so they've realized that, uh, you know, one of the best triggers to help uh, someone feel comfortable in the home buying process is to be dealing with an agent that understands them, maybe looks like them, maybe came from a country of origin or a familial background. So, you know, it's hard to, to sell, uh, to, to get the 60 million Hispanics on board with your company if you don't have any Hispanics working for you. And so Pinta's right. thing has been a lot of kind of that B2B, if you will, recruitment which is an interesting insight. Um, and then another one, we're working with Envoy Mortgage. Uh, so they're on the mortgage side of things and we're doing a, a pilot program for them in Florida and Texas, where the insight there is that um, for Hispanics, uh, owning a home is often the first home in their family that they've owned and it's the fulfillment of the American dream. And so we've gotten kind of jaded and we roll our eyes a little bit when we hear that sometimes, but uh, for Latinos, it's, uh, it's truly, you know, watershed moment to get those keys 
and maybe you pull at the heartstrings a bit more with the messaging as a result. I don't know if living in the same building as your mother-in-law is the American dream, but I, <laughs> I guess there are there are definitely babysitting advantages when That's you have right. a young there you child. Go. That's about it, though. <laughs> but I, you know, growing up in Brazil, um, a lot of the same thing. You know, family's very tight, and uh, that multicultural family, multi multi-family dwelling, was as much an economic decision as it was anything else, a cultural decision in that there just wasn't enough money in the family for everyone to go and, you know, get married, have your own home, have an extra couple of bedrooms, build a family. Right. And now that that wealth has permeated across different cultures in this country, is that model changing? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I, one of the things we're looking at is just changing models in general, because it used to be this, um, like I said, the first generation recently arrived, often Mexican or Central America, uh, where it's Spanish heavy and you're kind of um, leveraging old school tools like TV. And now uh, you've got this kind of wide diaspora, first, second, third generation of culture did not, English, Spanish, both. Um, so, you know, that you, you got to kind of uh, adapt at the speed of the marketplace and be rooted in, in data and insights to make sure that you're talking to the you know, what, what comes tomorrow and not what came yesterday. And when you're sitting in your office or your account reps or your creative types, I imagine it's something like a writer's room on a sitcom where everybody's sitting there having fun. Somebody's throwing their sandwich. I, I don't know. People are telling stories from the night before. And all of a sudden, some guy has an idea and somebody fleshes that idea and bang, bang, bang. Hey, we got a show. What's the what's the creative juice like in, in within the agency? You're not you're not far off. I mean, all jokes aside, one of the reasons I got into this business was was that uh, dynamic energy that from which I feed off, and and I believe most people that go into this crazy life uh, do as well. Unfortunately, not to bring the mood down a bit, but you know, COVID uh, was a tragedy in so many different ways. Of course, the health concerns being chief among them, but another you know victim of, of this, if you will, is is culture in creative industries. I think if you're an accountant. Uh, maybe your day-to-day -day doesn't change so much pre-COVID to post-COVID because you're, you know, predominantly working with numbers and spreadsheets, et cetera. Um, you know, we, we had daily brainstorms and happy hours and fly across the country to, to present the plan to your current client or to pitch a new client. And that human-to-human -human interaction is why I got into this, and that is direly uh, missed uh, in the current environment. Yeah, you forget that sometimes. Looks, I forget that, uh, you know, how important it is um, uh, to be in the same room to brainstorm and spark ideas and, and, uh, and just be, be creative. So it, it, what I like to think is that we all need a new creative idea to help sell a new thing. Right. And, and obviously we're always looking for the next mouse trap. Uh, but well, you said something earlier about the need to have agents that are in culture. Um, when you think about, and I bring this back to real estate <laughs> because this is a real estate podcast. Um, but I think about the high touch that happens in the real estate business, right? It's this, it's this handshake in some cases. It's humans interacting with each other, of which probably happens a little less now because of the COVID. Um, but the interpersonal relationship and dialogue is super important. And a cultural connection 
um, in that business transaction is also super important. I, and I, I really resonated with, with what you said about how you are helping your clients understand that and how to connect with uh, a different type of employee. Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, not just pre-COVID, but even now you're seeing things in, in certain pockets returning to a semblance of normalcy. And yeah. I know Realogy agents, uh, particularly in the Hispanic front, are trying to get out into these communities and uh, at the grassroots level and, you know, attend church service or the community festival or a kids reading program at the local school. Um, because A, Hispanics disproportionately value that touch point that you're, you're talking about, Alex. And B, trust is a huge issue, right? right. I mean, you don't quite, you're not necessarily in your home country as sophisticated on mortgages and interest rates. And so you're, you're reliant a little bit on uh, the good word of the person that's your Sherpa in this process. And you know, to make sure that there's trust, there has to have originally been some touch points and dinners and drinks. And so um, you know, that's important in any market, but I would say even more so in, in this cross-cultural world. And there's no algorithm that's going to un right lock, unlock that or recreate that whole experience. I will I will quit the whole business when that happens. That's right. That's right. So I I actually used to live in Los Angeles for a period, so I can appreciate you know sort of being in California um, and sort of the I think at one point there were more Latinos and Hispanics in California than than not. Right. So that's huge. Um, Texas, I lived and worked in um, in Texas for a minute. So I saw that happen. I'm just now recently in Miami. And it's just it seems like it is the new normal right um, across the country, regardless of where you live, you're going to have to deal with one culture or another. And as a matter of fact, culture no longer is defined as race. To your point, there's religion, there is um, belief systems, there is um, uh, uh, environmental culture issues. So So culture broadly is a big topic that I think should be on everyone's minds all the time. So, I mean, so much so, and this is one of my favorite um, kind of points about what I do, it used to be that Hispanic market was big and robust and was assimilating, uh, or, or rather people thought it would. Um, but really what's happening is that the Latino community is, is shaping the broader culture, right? So think about last year's uh, Super Bowl halftime show, right? It was two uh, lovely uh, Latina uh, musicians performing uh, together. Right now, as we, as we talk, uh, tortillas outsell uh, white bread and salsa outsells ketchup in this country. Spotify, the number one streaming song in the United States on Spotify, two years in a row was in Hispanic. It was Camila Cabello last year and Bad Bunny uh, this year, 2019 and 2020 respectively. So think about that. That's not just from the Hispanics. That's got to be from the other 250 million people that are kind of contributing to those things. So so is it is it there's two cultures or is it that there's one kind of new mainstream and, uh, you know, African-American culture has been an incredibly potent contributor to it, disproportionate to the percent of the of the population. Um, and so we're just seeing, you know, kind of a, a mixing in a really beautiful way uh, of culture. Um, and I would just say one, one more thing. Why does that happen with the Hispanic immigrant and not others? Right. So, you know, when, when Italian immigrants or Russian immigrants or Irish immigrants came over at the turn of, of the last century, 
they assimilated quickly. There's a lot of differences between those and the Latino community. For one thing, geographically, we are right next to our countries of origin. We share a border with Mexico in a way that you're not crossing the Atlantic. Number two, technology. So a lot of these people are talking to their family in Spanish on WhatsApp all day and keeping that touch point. And number three, media. So you've got Univision and Telemundo feeding you Spanish language content all day long. So you don't have to lose that fabric of your of your community and culture. So it's pretty interesting. It used to be in the past, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, real estate developers, if anything, they were highlighting the homogeneity of right. the group you were moving into. Move in where other people like you live, um, uh, looking for places where people like you live, all that is is being blown up. Now it's it, people are looking for diversity as opposed to looking for homogeneity, if I'm pronouncing that word properly. Are you seeing that in, in from your side of the business? And are you seeing that in real estate, if, if at all, from your side of the business? Yeah, we are. I think that, uh, you know, particularly for, for new uh, condo development and kind of urban living, a, it's easier to, to kind of position a property as one thing or another, uh, and B, the type of people that are attracted to moving into these urban centers are, are often more interested in that fast-paced, moving, diverse uh, situation. So we are seeing it in big cities a bit more in our real estate marketing, at least. Uh, but the second thing is just, you know, the marketing itself is, is painting a beautiful, diverse picture in a way that it never did. So is it chicken or the egg? Is it people asking for it or is it because they're being served a nice reality of what America looks like now rather than kind of leave it to beaver from your days, Jamie. Okay. And that's, uh, <laughs> I get uh, moving up my Christmas list. I just saved $45. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I think you, you know, you opened um, by saying that there was a point where you kind of felt like you had to, 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 to do it. You had to have a X number of your budget is, for one particular culture or another, African-American or Latino, whatever. Um, and now it's not, it's no longer a requirement. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's table stakes for doing business. And much as you look at various audience and their interests, um, and now you're able to micro target to the individual, to the, you know, to the address literally of your audience on mass and at scale, it becomes um, once again, understanding culture just makes you a better marketer. At the same time, it's becoming massively complex. And how you slice and dice, not literally, but how you think about that, you know, sort of dissecting your audience is a very important part. You mentioned math men versus mad men, and I now get it. So as we move forward, is it just going to get more complicated? Uh, are there going to be more people like you um, getting into the space uh, that are focused on a particular um, cultural segment? Or are people just going to become more generalist and thinking about every, like, what, where, where are we going with, with um, cultural marketing and cultural sensitivity in the marketing communication space? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I mean, I will say, and this prediction is not a good one necessarily for my agency long-term, but I think eventually there probably won't be specialized niche agencies that only target, you know, Asians in the United States or LGBTQ. Uh, you know, it's, it is becoming so melting pot uh, where there's this new mainstream that I think that might eventually go away, but, but probably not, not anytime too soon. 
but the other thing is, you know, every agency has to get smarter. If, if you're going to be a, a generalist agency, you know, go back 40 years, you know, the realization we need to target women a little bit differently than men, or we need to target, uh, you know, Smith and Wesson to a different audience than we do uh, chewing gum, you know, whatever. There's, there was, there's always been a realization that you have to get nuanced. It's only recently that people realize culture is, is on that list. So um, I think we're, we're getting smarter. And ultimately, I think that's a good thing for the consumer as well as the companies that are, that are doing the advertising. And so do you find that, that your clients come and find you uh, or do you, are you out there convincing your clients that you work with that, um, you know, of your relevance and of your uniqueness or they, they, they've already decided, Hey, look, you know, we, we want this type of thinking and this type of an approach. Yep. Let's go work with Pinta. Well, I mean, I, you know, I say this uh, jokingly, but you know, shameless self-promotion goes a long way. Uh, and so anyone that's listening that, you know, either as a small real estate agency or as a real estate developer, you know, I think that, um, you know, promoting your own wins and thought leadership and perspectives on what's taking place in your industry goes a long way. So we do a lot of getting out there, whether it's panel discussions or keynote speeches or op-eds, uh, to position us as experts in this niche. And then, yeah, we're fortunate enough as a result to get uh, requests for proposals when a big company is looking to, to hire a new firm. And we kind of go against some of our competitors to see who, who comes out on top. Uh, and then in other cases, we've been proud to kind of identify a company we want to work with and just start the long haul process of uh, charming them with, with our uh, you know, approach and what we think we could do on their behalf. And maybe that leads to a small test project to see how things go. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a hustle, but not one that we shy away from. I mean, you have a long list of, of, uh, of credentials uh, and Forbes has tapped you for your insight on the topic. So, I mean, you already have an endorsement uh, from a very large, well-known publication that's a thought leader uh, in the business community. So what, what types of things are you, are you talking about? What are you thinking about? Yeah, we talked a lot about them already today, but one of the articles I wrote was about real estate. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was just about the nuance of real estate marketing within Hispanic. And you guys have brilliantly covered a lot of those topics here. Uh, another one was politics, which, uh, you know, definitely a um, divisive time to bring that up. But uh, let me just say this without getting too political, regardless of your feelings about the, the prior administration, um, it, it certainly wasn't terribly helpful in the Hispanic brand. Um, just, you know, some of the talk that was very, um, you know, kind of heated rhetoric made it perhaps more challenging for a CMO at a big publicly traded company to bet big on, on Hispanic when you didn't know what was going to happen between uh, building walls and families getting separated. It was a lot of noise. And so that was challenging for us during the political environment. And I've been writing about that in Forbes as well. So kind of, you know, the, the Latino market and and marketing are the tie that binds, but I enjoy kind of going in different directions after that. One thing about your business I always found interesting, and just taking a step back here in terms of your day-to-day, -day, <clears throat> was that a company can call you up, tell you we might want to use you, come up with an idea, come up with a pitch, present it, and if we like it, you're hired. And correct me if I'm wrong, I've never heard of another business that goes through all that actually does the work. Like, like, listen, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be taking, we're going to be baking, we're going to be selling baked cakes in our store. Why don't you bake a cake? And if we like it, we'll sell it. And if we don't, we won't. 
you know, it, it's just it's it's it, it's certainly a lot of uh, a lot of work before you see dime one, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a very very good question, and you know, at the risk of uh, sounding ingrateful, in case any of my clients listen to this uh, great podcast, it, it is a frustrating element of the of the business. And I would go with your metaphor, not just bake a cake and see if we like it, but they invite ten uh, dessert, uh, you know, uh, chefs, pastry chefs to bake cakes. And then they only pick one and guaranteed that nine will not uh, win. So it's not just do work on spec to see if you like it. It's a, it's a transparent process where they're inviting all of your competitors to do the exact same thing and admitting they're only going to pick one and not paying you for it along the way. Of course, the flip side, especially with, with the type of work we like doing, which is to say less companies, but bigger brands, uh, when you win, it's, it's a wonderful feeling and, and usually a long-term relationship. It's more like a beauty pageant than it is yes. uh, a bakery. <laughs> a bake-off, a beauty pageant. That's right. That's right. Um, but yes, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because nothing, not much has changed in the advertising and marketing space um, uh, over the years, right? I mean, if you think about um, the work that's been done, the, the creative uh, concepts and ideas um, and the process in which those are executed, obviously technology has changed, but, but the, the, the process in and of itself has it in, in spirit. But, um, but I think that the, as you're approaching com- culture and community, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about on the show and our previous shows about the importance of community in which you build. And I, and if you're a developer, you know, you're building in a community, you know, and, 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 and you're disrupting by just the nature of actually building and digging a hole in the ground, you're literally physically disrupting, disrupting a community and impacting people's lives. And you're introducing community into this community with, with residents and businesses right. and all that good stuff. Um, and so culture is important, period. And I love how you've elevated or allowed us to understand uh, how to think about community in a way that um, both not only uh, reflects and represents, but also rewards um, people's um, ability to lean in and, and, and really understand culture in its, in, its, in, its, in its nuance. So where do we go from here, right? What, what is the thing that you, the element that you'd want to communicate to, to, to businesses, um, to brands in the space, to maybe other agencies um, uh, and marketers looking to get into the space as, as the future um, of multi- well, multicultural and or cultural first marketing uh, in the real estate space. Thank you. Yeah. So a couple things. I mean, the first one is there are universal truths in uh, successful marketing, you know, whether it's uh, do, do your homework, find insights rooted in data, develop differentiating creative, and then, you know, channel that through cost effective, measurable uh, tactics. I bring that up because, you know, for us, it's working to sell T-Mobile handsets and Heineken beers and Microsoft software and help Realogy recruit agents across the country for their blue chip uh, real estate brands. So if you're an agency, don't shy away from real estate. And if you're a big developer, uh, maybe broaden your search on who might help you uh, roll out the marketing for those projects. Uh, The second thing, and you touched on it, uh, Alex, is it's about shared value now. It's not about doing something just because, you know, diversity is a hot button issue right now. And I got to make sure I do that for HR purposes. Um, you should, of course, operate with utmost integrity and, and, and so on, but realize that this is worth the investment uh, of time because it will pay dividends and, and ROI. So um, the Latino market is only going to get bigger and more important in this country. And 
those that realize that I think will benefit. You know, it's uh, one of the things you always hear at the end of an interview is when people ask, you know, what keeps you awake at night? And if anybody ever asked me what keeps me awake at night, it's the, it's the next door neighbor playing the tuba at four in the morning. <laughs> what else? But, but uh, going forward, as 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 the this the the focus and the light that you're shedding in terms of what your agency is doing is just becoming brighter and brighter. What what concerns might you have, um, whether it's COVID affected the industry or the direction the industry is taking? Is there anything that concerns you as you look out? Well, actually, the, the it's a great question. What what kept me up at night? I'm pleased to say, at least for now, that it's in past tense. Uh, was scaling to kind of compete with the madmen instead of math men. And we took on an outside partner and sold a minority stake in our business um, uh, last year to a group called Chemistry. And uh, just bring that up because we need scale. And uh, as, as much fun as it was to be the little engine that could and, and build up to our 25 employees, uh, more and more it's becoming really about, you know, how many people can you get to create an algorithm that we can optimize and measure. So we needed to find a partner to scale. That kept me up at night, quite literally, and happy to have found that with our great new partners in chemistry. Well, that's the great thing about building your own business, right? The good news is it's your own business. It's your baby, and no one's going to love it as much as you. The bad news is issues of scaling, issue of employment, issues of COVID. You have to, you have to, you you take that to bed every night. You live with that. So that's I guess right. it's the two sides of a, of a coin, right? Yep. yep. And culture has a brilliant uh, and charismatic champion in, in, in you, Mike, and in your agency. So thank you for that. Um, Want to also thank you for your time uh, today and sharing with you, uh, sharing with us and our audience and listeners, your insights on the space and where it's headed in the real estate sector. So thank you very much, Mike. Alex, Jamie, thank you guys. This was a lot of fun and, and congrats on everything you're doing here. Thank you. You've been listening to the Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.